Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Goblin the Brain. I am your host, Dr. Clyde Mayberry, and I want to talk about something today that is right for the times we're in. You guessed it. I want to talk about shopping, better retail psychology, and understanding the terms and why we do it and what happens when we do it and whether or not we should be doing it. Let's get into it. If you have not so far, you can subscribe to this channel and please share these uh, videos. I did just receive some information in regards to this podcast. Uh, Good news that you'll be hearing about later. But I want to appreciate all of you who have passed on uh, my podcast via text. In fact, the statistics from this podcast just recently told me that that was the number one way that my uh, podcast is shared through text messages. So you're getting it and you're sending it to other people. And I really appreciate that. So as always, if you think it can help, please send it. Um, And if this is beneficial to you, subscribe and share the wealth. I appreciate it. So let's get into this. Retail psychology, of course, is the study of consumers and the factors that influence why, how, and uh, how much they spend. Every retailer wonders this and they search for behaviors. There are many, many studies done around this time of the year. And, um, you know, it makes sense to buy food and water and items that you need for basic psychological needs. But we're talking about the retail stuff, the things that we don't necessarily need, but definitely their wants. And this is the time of year when we do that. And and normally we tend to even overspend or go into great debt uh, during this season. And it can be addicting in some cases. It has become addicting um, in some cases. When we talk about the uh, psychological effects of shopping, the greatest part, and this kind of surprised me, but the number one psychological effect of shopping is that shopping restores a sense of control. It restores a sense of control. According to a study, sadness is generally associated with a sense that situations are in control of the outcomes of our lives rather than our life being uh, controlled by our own hands. The choices and outcomes inherent in the act of shopping can restore the feeling of personal control and autonomy. Isn't that cute? So the idea that if your life is not going well, I need you to think about this now. If your life is not going well, buying something can actually give you the sense of control is restored. So I don't know if you have any friends that are poor or any that live in the hood. um, But one of the things that you see all year round is that single mothers when they're dealing with their kids all the time and they're going through a lot, they will, you know, buy products, nothing really expensive. Most of it's dollar store stuff, but that's why they do it. And when you think about all the things that they're the single parent has purchased for these kids and, and the reason why, because, of course, when your life feels out of control, but not only does it restore control or the sense of that when you purchase something, but it also relieves anxiety, depression, sadness. How does it do it? 
the same way everything else does it. The idea of uh, buying something, whether you can afford it or not, is irrelevant. But the idea that you got something, that you bought something, it literally lets off those neurotransmitters we've talked about before in your brain. And those are the things, dopamine and all of that, those are the things that actually make us happy. So we buy things. There's oftentimes you will hear people say, I deserve that pair of shoes. I deserve that coat. And they feel justified in it, particularly if they're working 40 plus hours a week and they can never get ahead. Every now and then they just say, you know what? The bills are going to be there and I am going to get me something. And they do that. And, and, and that spending is not good for us, but that is at least the reason why we do it. So there is a psychological link. Uh, consumer psychology or the study of consumer behavior is tasked with determining uh, what people want to buy and uh, why uh, they want to buy it. And that's not an exact science, but there's somebody watching and following that because, of course, our advertisers are making ad campaigns based on this information. Um, Some people think that excessive shopping or being a shopaholic is a a mental health disorder. Uh, I have to tell you that it is not. I am saying that based on the fact that the um, we've talked about the DSM. Um, five, which is by the American Psychological Association. It's their Bible for diagnoses. And uh, if it is in that book, then it's a mental health disorder and they have a diagnosis for it and a solution. It is not. Shopaholic is not in that book. So it's not a mental health disorder. However, it can be a partner with some other things that are. And so we have to sort of look at that. Um, but I really want to just kind of talk about the uh, the fact that we shop and and shopping can actually be a form of depression. Um, signs or some signs that you're experiencing uh, depression. Shopping can be uh, very similar to the signs of compuls- compulsive shopping. Uh, but depression shopping is specific to the mood boost gained from reward and activity. So by the mere fact that you bought something or you think that you got a a sale, you think you could got something on sale, um, that's the reward and it can alleviate depression. Signs of depression shopping may include relentless thoughts about shopping or owning a particular item. If you ever stewed over an item that you really wanted, not that you needed it, but you just really wanted it. It was on sale finally and it was something that you wanted. That could be a sign that you're shopping out of depression. But there's more. Shopping can feel like therapy for the reasons that I've given you. But I want you to think about the idea of feeling better or a pleasure feeling or giving you a sense of well-being. Shopping does that. And that's kind of why it feels like therapy. Um, So Christmas time. I'm sure you know this already, but I would be remiss without mentioning it. We know that this was what we call a commercial holiday. Now, of course, we can make it about Santa Claus. We can make it about Jesus. We can make it about giving. We can make it about the holidays and the food. We can make it about a whole bunch of things. But what is it really about? Well, the whole concept of 
shopping and, and around this time of the year was obviously because they had to get rid of things that did not sell for the entire year. And that's what they're doing. Um, if you ever go into a department store a week before Black Friday, they're getting things ready to get out of there. They're moving things. They're marking things down. That's what they're doing. And if you would see your store set up, say, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and then go to that same store on Friday, you'll see exactly what I mean. It's just the stuff that's always been there that just didn't sell. And it looks or appears to us like it's a deal. And, and technically it is just based on the way buying is set up because as you know we're already when we buy retail we're already uh overspending for the item the wholesale price would be cheaper we're not getting it at the wholesale price we're getting it at the retail price because we live in a capitalistic society and so there's a lot of hands that got to get paid for that garment or that thing that you're buying so there's already a huge markup when it first came out and it is possible to get like 40% off. Now, I want you to know that you're talking about an item that let's say the item's 50 bucks when it came out. It's 50 bucks. That item probably costs $7 to make. And that 50 bucks is the markup. And when you get it at Christmas for 25, because it was 50% off, you lose your mind. And he still paid almost $20 too much for it. But the idea is it makes you happy. But I know that you have to know by now, if you've been living any longer than 30 years, uh, clearly, you know that our retail uh, department stores and such are just trying to get rid of inventory. So they mark it down and it's already a, a list of how far you can mark it down. In fact, did you know, I mean, back when I was really heavily into shopping, I would go in on Black Friday and hide stuff. Why was I hiding it? Because I wanted to get it after Christmas because they're going to mark it down and mark it down and try to just almost give it away. And so you just kind of wait to get the lowest price. That's when I had a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> um, but when you think about it, you have to start looking at how commercialized the holiday is. I know that uh, for the last three years, uh, I've talked before about my granddaughter. She is three. She kind of knows what Christmas is this time, but we've overwhelmed her, her entire life at Christmas. It just springs up on her and she doesn't know what to do. There's so much stuff because she's the only grandchild on our side. So there are tons of people buying for her. And of course, everybody that lives with her is overdoing it. And I have to say, I'm one of the biggest culprits. There is probably enough toys in my house for 10 kids. That's because I only got one grandbaby. We've given stuff away and all of that. It's hard not to. I don't even have a good reason for it. I just want her to have it. It's a horrible reason. But that's a part of the lure of shopping. And so we're trying to be better this year. But I want you to think about the emphasis that we place on things when we talk about shopping, and that's really the core of what I want to talk about, I'm giving you these statistics and things uh, from a psychological perspective. But I want you to really think about what Christmas means 
and how you've put the meaning in Christmas. Because I always said that, you know, if I died before Christmas came, what would my family do? What would they think? What would they say? How would they feel? Now, death at any time sucks. I get that. But then it comes into play what I've made Christmas in their eyes. We have a Christmas tradition, like we have all holiday traditions in our family. Um, My wife's family was really big with Christmas and Thanksgiving and Halloween and all of those. And my family was as well. And we had our kids. We we did that to them. And so, of course, I already know they're going to do that with their kids. But the point is the emphasis. I mean, for a number of years um, when I was doing secular work, um, I was in some in some cases, I felt like the wallet in my family. Meaning that my kids would see me and they would just put their hand out. And I rarely said no. Just got them stuff because I just remember my parents not being able to get me things and, you know, saying no, because, hey, there was five of us. And you can't just get something. And we didn't understand that till we got older. But with my kids, I just had three. And man, you talk about spoiled. It's ridiculous. But there came a time as I got older and that they got older that I didn't want Christmas and, and all of these holidays to be about the holiday. I even when I went on trips or, or preaching campaigns or speaking engagements where I would be traveling the country. When I would come back home when they were younger, guess what I used to do? I'd always come bearing gifts. It got to the point where when I would come home with gifts, they wanted to see the gifts more than me. I had to stop with the gifts. I'm coming home. I'm your gift. I'm back. And they began to appreciate that. But building the relationship with the people that matter most the people that you love right now, caught up in the in the hustle and bustle. We just want to provide for the people we love. And that's great. But when you're gone and the money's gone and all of that is different, what substance is left? What substance do you have? Because you see, we failed. If my grandbaby doesn't know that she matters, if she doesn't know that she's nice, that she's beautiful, that she's smart. She has to know these things about her. And above all, she's got to know that she's loved. Not by gifts or superficial things that will will, will fade away, but by a relationship, an interpersonal relationship that we built with her. Each individual person has a different relationship with her. And that ultimately beats out the gifts. So this Christmas, not that I want to ruin your Christmas. And if you're buying gifts and you already started, you go for it. But I hope that you take some time, at least for the people that really matter to you. And, 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 and my little litmus test for those that really matter. The ones that will literally interrupt your life if they die. If they die, your life's going to stop for a bit because you got to regather yourself. Those people. I'm saying that those people really need to know how you feel about them. Not in superficial gifts, but in a relationship, in conversation, in closeness, in shared activities. 
active in their lives. Buddy, buddy stuff. Spending time sharing, teaching, learning, growing. We need to invest in the people that are in our lives that matter. And they need to know that they matter. And we need to not make that a secret. Don't let the holidays uh, stifle that. Don't let the holidays supersede your care and your demonstrations of love. Gift giving is great, but oh man, the best thing we ever have to give is ourselves. I hope that's helpful. I hope you share and you take heed to the things I say. I appreciate you greatly. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk soon.